Hello, and welcome to a special end-of-year edition of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking, and film theory. Each episode, we normally focus on a film, we talk about that film, some of the themes around the history behind it. But this is our, our last show of the year, it's uh, that quiet, lovely period between Christmas and New Year's, and so we thought we'd have a wrap-up of the year, our top films of the year, top five each. Um, and we are going to introduce that top five and maybe have a bit of input from from the other to tell us why we're wrong and what we need to include in our top five. Um, and we're also going to finish with some honourable mentions of things we haven't had time to talk about much. Exactly. So, without further ado, I think we, the best play is to uh, work through our fives and our fours and our threes and our twos and our ones. So, Sam, do you want to go first? And talk your number five. So, yes, to start with, number five, uh, The Martian. Um, this was a film that um, I wanted to be higher up my list. I think we've, we've spent quite a lot of time talking about it, certainly on this podcast, and I said how I wanted it to be a, a head and shoulders standout film of the year. I didn't feel it was, but I can still see that it was a really well-made film and lots of the acting performances in it were very enjoyable. Um, so I'm quite happy to put it um, on my list of top five. Fair enough. My uh, top five, and uh, this unfortunately isn't going to feature in Sam's list too highly, I think, is uh, the brand new Styles. So we're, we're, we're lucky. Sam actually hasn't actually seen it yet. So I feel to shame him into that. Um, but I think it's about next week. But that, for me, I saw it at uh, this week. I enjoyed it. I thought that it had a lot to do. I'll obviously talk about it more in the podcast. Um, but for me, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, but it only sat at number five, shall we say. Okay. Right. Well, as you said, I haven't seen that yet. So I have no, no frame of reference. I won't be able to uh, talk about that very much. Um, number four is... A film I know, I absolutely know, will be nowhere near your top five. Um, and it is the film Spy. Yes. No. Just, no, no. <laughs> that, that, that may even make my list of the bottom <laughs> bottom five of the year. Uh, I just, I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed Jason Statham, particularly in this film. I thought that in a year in which there was so much hype about a particular spy film um, that didn't necessarily do amazing things. This was a spy film that I felt was particularly enjoyable and got lots of things right. Fair enough. I mean, for me, I just, Melissa McCarthy, I just don't find her funny. I will grant you Statham was very funny. Um, And this is a debate that me and my wife have this day because she really enjoyed it. But yeah, I just, just did not laugh. <laughs> did not in any way find it amusing. Right, okay. But there we go. Different straight, different worlds. There we go. Yeah. You're number four. No, number four. I don't think it'll be on your list either. Um, I don't even know if you've seen it. Uh, but it was from uh, Ben Palmer, starring Simon Pegg and Lake Bell. It was the film Man Up. No, I haven't seen this. Now, Man Up is essentially a romantic comedy. Um, the uh, the meet-cute being that a uh, single and lonely woman sneaks her way onto someone else's blind date 
claiming to be the other person. This, I think, in lesser hands could have been a terrible film. It sounds terrible. Um, but they dispense with that kind of conceit pretty early. Um, and then it just explores like modern dating and the fact that both of them are screwed up as each other. But it is funny. It is Simon Pegg being Simon Pegg. He, he feels like a grown-up version of Spaced. Right. Uh, I think Simon Pegg can struggle in feature films outside of Edgar Wright. Yeah. Because in the past he often kind of isn't great. Um, whereas here he feels as close to the, the, the Simon Pegg that we wanted to see in these films as I've known him. Lake Bell is brilliant. It's got some brilliant supporting cast from different people. It had me laugh out loud, loud funny. And, is, it, and I, is it better than Hector and the Search for Happiness? Which is possibly... It, it's in my bottom ten of films ever. It was so bad. Uh, I, I would say probably yes. I haven't seen it myself. Oh, uh, it didn't get... It, it didn't get good results. I would say that for me, this is... It's probably the best rom-com I've seen in a decade. High praise indeed. Yeah, I, I, I would... I would it, 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 it's in my honourable mentions list. Um, but Trainwreck from this year was also brilliant. Well, actually, that segues nicely into my number three, which is the film Trainwreck. There you go. Um, which I thought was brilliant. Um we we talked about it in a small batch episode of the podcast, and we we talked about how this was a a particular particularly good reinvention of romantic comedy. It had a brilliant attitude to to men and women, the relationship between men and women, the portrayal of men and women. But more than that, it was just funny. It was there were I mean there were laugh out loud moments to, to do with and it was nothing to do with. The central character. It was, I mean, I think, I think I talked about this. The, the relationship between um, LeBron James and the Doctor. There mm. was, there was something, something very heartwarming about that. So I, I thought there was, there was a lot about this film to enjoy, even uh, quite apart from the fact it was, politically very good and, culturally very important in terms of sort of re- reinvigorating this idea of a. Quite a tired genre, the the romantic comedy. Um, mm. But I I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really good. I, I it made my honourable mention. It hasn't made my top five because um, I felt with I'm throwing Man up in there. Recent three train wreck as well. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I I would echo everything Sam said about that film. I think it is a brilliant film. I would say Man up's more down the traditional rom com route, mm-hmm. um, but brilliantly done. Very British. Sensibilities, but worth looking. Be a train wreck. I the same. The, the, the closing scene, the closing sort of moment, shall we say, of train wreck when they have the, the big romantic gesture had me killed in a ball, laughing with tears running on my face. So <laughs> I can only say good things about it. Yeah, great film. My number three is a uh, film by uh, writer turned director Alex Garland. Starring uh, two actors who are now in Star Wars, and it is uh, Ex Machina. Ex Machina basically is the story of just these two guys, uh, played by Donald Gleason and Oscar Isaacs, playing Caleb and Jay. They, they basically, one of them is a programmer and he's built a robot. 
and he's he brought the other guy in Caleb to try and work out if he would pass pass a I don't know a super version of the cheering test mm-hmm. to see if 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 he'd believe it was real. It is equal parts sci-fi, equal parts psychological thriller. It is a in many ways an erotic thriller. It is yes, it's drama, it's action. It is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. And I think that it's it's a quiet film, but it's an amazingly well done film. And it kind of caught me at left film a bit a lot from it. Um, but I've been a big fan of Alec Garland's writing, if not the versions of his films. But this one I really really liked. Oh, good. I haven't haven't seen any. The moment you said writer director Alec Garland, I had visions of uh, terrible visions of the beach, um, which I. <laughs> Wasn't particularly enamoured of the. the I book. think that's fair. I certainly was not enamoured of the adaptation of it. So. I I, I like the book, but yeah, the, the the film itself was uh, something to be merrily forgotten. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, my my number two, I don't believe you've seen. Um, it is the um, it was a film as a biopic of Steve Jobs. Um, mm. And it was um, were brilliant performances from Michael Fassbender, from Kate Winslet, as you'd expect, but also from Seth Rogen, and something that we um, talked about when you, you talked about um, Christmas films last time. What was the Christmas film with Seth Rogen? Uh, the Night Before. Yes, The Night Before. Um, I thought this this was really good. The acting performances were pitched perfectly. Um Apart from Jeff Daniels playing the role that Jeff Daniels always plays, um, it, it was it was brilliant, um, and things that people didn't like about this, things that critics had nasty things to say about, I loved about this film. I loved the three act structure and the way that every, every part of, the, of those of those three acts was the build up to a project to a product launch. Um, and it was far more about the relationships that went into, um, suppose, suppose the relationships that went into the character of Steve Jobs, rather than necessarily the the minutiae of Steve Jobs' life. Um, I thought it was, it was a brilliant film, um, and it had, well, as you'd expect from an Aaron Sorkin written film, it had a lot of people walking and talking um, mm-hmm. and long shots and West Wing-like corridor shots. Um, but it was it was particularly well done. I thought that was, a, that was a brilliant film. So it's my number two. I will say when it comes to Steve Jobs, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm getting more and more intrigued to see it. I think that, and this is to my detriment as, as a film critic, I was kind of tarred by my view of Apple fanboys. Mm-hmm. And whilst I do own an iPad these days, I have I've been a staunch PC fanboy for many years, and you end up with this kind of rejection of all all things Apple, and I think I lumped that in at the same kind of same sort of uh, throwing up baby out of the dishwasher. But I will say that I'm getting more and more intrigued with it. I'm sure come the new year I will check it out. Mm. My number two um, is one that you've already mentioned and that's The Martian right 
Um, I was a massive fan of the book. I would agree that the film isn't everything I wanted it to be, but I still really enjoyed it. It took me on a ride, it took me on a journey. I think that the acting was brilliant, and it really kind of, really kind of, uh, yeah, it got a visceral reaction from me, which is I've discussed many times. It's often one I'm after from a film, mm. something that kind of reaches and touches me, and this did. And isn't that I'm a massive fan of the book, um, so I think that uh, it's a uh, yeah number two on the list for me. Certainly, on a, on a better year, it wouldn't have been as high, shall we say? Mm. Um, I, I think some of the, the uh, problems we've discussed in our, in our talking bits are there, and that is true. But for me, it was still the one of the ones I want. I think that's kind of how I often judge this list of of the year. What do I want to watch again? Mm. Yes, I think, well, you say what I want to watch again, and you say in a better year it wouldn't be so high. I think that is true for the ones further, further down my list. I reckon my one, two, and three are really, really good films. I think, I, I think Trainwreck would be good in any year. I think yep. Steve, Steve Jobs is, is one that I really enjoyed and thought would be good in every year. Um, and my number one is the film Inside Out that we talked about on mm. this podcast. Um, and I think that would be a great film in any year. Um, I think these these three films I had at one, two, three, and I was moving them around and I wasn't sure whereabouts they should be. But I think Inside Out should get the nod. And we've talked about, we've eulogised about it a lot on this, on this podcast before. Um I think it should also get the nod for being an animated film. Um, if For being such a phenomenally successful animated film. Um, and I, I really do... There, there, is, there are sort of murmurings about Inside Out and Oscars next year and the, the first animated film um, to be nominated for, to even... Not to be nominated for, to, to win the Best Picture Oscar. Um, mm. And I would love that to be the case. Um, it was a standout film of 2015 for me. It uh, it says a lot about our differing tastes. That uh, my number one is not on your list, and your number one hasn't been on my list. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I'm unsurprised my number one hasn't been on your list, given our discussion of it. Uh, but my number one, I think anyone who listens to our gospel probably know, is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. The very well belated fourth instalment in the Mavic series from George Miller. For me, it is it is close to what pure cinema is, as I've seen in many years. It is beautifully visual. It is a story, as I've discussed many times, that could only be told on cinema. There is no version of this film that isn't a cinematic experience. Mm. I think that it is lean as a film and it is stripped down to its purest form whether you like that purest form I will grant you is is up for debate but I think that there's a, there's a film without an inch of flab on it it hasn't got any kind of diversions it isn't bogged down by subplots or confusing backstories it's just a pure cinematic joyride from start to finish and it is the one that I'm very much hoping to get under the tree at Christmas um, just to watch it again it's a uh, not only my best film of this year, but it probably made my top five of all time. Listeners to this podcast will know that I am not as enamoured of this film as Rob is by any means, um, and I 
I'm not going to say any, anything about the film. I think I've, what, I, what I've said about this film has been said before, but I will just say that um, although I don't didn't like this film greatly, I thought Tom Hardy's performance was just amazing. That was, um, and I've talked about other films that I've enjoyed this year. I don't think any single performance in any of those those films comes close to Tom Hardy's performance, or indeed Charlie's Theron's performance in this. I think the individual acting performances in this were absolutely extraordinary. I'm glad you agree. Um, I'd like to throw in some quick honourable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we haven't covered that's probably sat somewhere in the top ten, but not in quite the top five. I think that as I mentioned before, Trainwreck would probably make sense. I think I would probably add a push to add um, into that to that list, though I don't think I was quite as enamoured it by everyone else was. I would also add in just for those that uh, enjoy my more obscure picks, a film called The Tribe. I think I may discuss this as of my this week. It is basically a story told entirely in sign language. Right. There is no there is no commentary, there is no subtitles, there's no translation. It is told entirely in sign language. It's about a deaf teenager going to a boarding school. Um it is more St. Trinion's on crack. There are prostitution rings, there is violence, there is murder, there is drug running. But it's all told through sign language. It is all told through the squeaks and noises and all the ancillary sounds are all there but there is no dialogue there is no struggle there's nothing mm. it is a wholly unusual film experience for me i was also going to throw in a film called mommy which is a french canadian film um basically the story of, of a mum and a son he's a i believe adhd with bipolar disorder um, but I'm happy to be corrected by that by various uh, people. He is psychotic, but the mother is no better at times. It's a ferocious bit of filmmaking. It is a visual experience unlike... I suppose it's the closest to Mad Max you'll get in a family drama. Um, and my last um, sort of one to mention is a documentary. Uh, called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild and Untold Story of Canon Films. Uh, which is a brilliant title. It Canon is. Films are responsible for all those terrible films from the 80s. You're going respons- to have to narrow this down. No, I, 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 no, I don't. They are responsible for all of those films. They are responsible <laughs> for Death Wish. They are responsible for Death Model Force. They launched um, Chuck Norris. They launched the careers... They, that whole brand of 80s terrible action Philippines films they made them all uh, and this is the story of how the boom and bust and boom and bust of this company Canon Films and how they were responsible for inventing so much of what we consider now to be Grindhouse and cult films mm. alright um, any well, I, yes recommendations um not recommendations, honourable mentions. Um, I don't go to cinema an awful lot, um, I suppose, compared to Rob. Um, certainly not um, outside of this podcast. Um, but I have got a couple of things. I will say that we've spoken about it before on this podcast. I really enjoy, well, enjoyed is the wrong word, but really appreciated the film Beasts of No Nation. Um mm. 
and we we talked about the reasons for this and also um i like the idea of films moving into different media um and the idea of well something else that that came came out this year and came to prominence this year is um sort of netflix box sets created by netflix they're no longer buying wholesale they're they're um, commissioning things like um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Daredevil, I very much enjoyed this year. Um, Jessica Jones, I've just started watching. Um, and I think that although that's in sort of 50 minute or an hour chunks rather than necessarily feature films, that's, that's one, of, one, of my, um, one of my positives this year, I suppose, is, is the way that... Um, the film experience, the cinematic experience, has been sort of has moved into a, a TV arena and then moved into a into a Netflix arena as well. Um, a couple of things from the very end of of twenty fourteen, um, and both of them I've, I've mentioned in passing on this podcast. Actually, the the first one I mentioned in our very first episode is the Raid Two. Um, which which I loved. I know it's a 2014 film, but I just wanted to men- mention it again because it's such a brilliant film. Um, and it, there are lots of bad things to be said about. Um, it, and you've just mentioned um, action films and the Philippines in the same sentence. Um, the, this is this is nothing like uh, those those films from the 80s, and it's. You you think the raid was was shocking and traumatic and a claustrophobic cinematic experience. You haven't seen anything until you've seen the raid too. Um, and my other one from the very end of twenty fourteen is the film Big Eyes. Um, I thought Christoph Waltz was was very underused in Spectre, um, which I'm pleased to see has appeared nowhere in either of our lists. Um, I I do think I do love Chris Christoph Waltz and I thought this this film Big Eyes was was one of his best. Um, I also, although I hesitate to mention mention it, um, but I've I've mentioned Spy already and and roused your anger. Um, I will mention Mission Impossible, the the recent Mission Impossible film, as being very enjoyable and better than I thought it was going to be. So the, the Mission Impossible this year is my one of my sort of I suppose more tongue in cheek recommendations for this year. Um and a couple of things I've mentioned that I don't get to get to the cinema much. So a couple of things that I've missed this year um and want to catch up on in the new year are um Amy, the documentary about Amy Whitehouse, um and Whiplash, which although it came out uh, at Sundance Festival in 2014 it was only on general release in this country at the beginning of 2015 so it's another 2015 film that I didn't get around to seeing and very much want to Excellent, well that's probably enough from us to wrap the year up uh, please subscribe if you haven't before already, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us uh, they really do help us um, get in front of more people and uh, basically thanks for being our listeners it's been a great year for me and Sam to do this podcast um, and hopefully we'll do it for many years to come it's been brilliant yes um, do do get in touch on Twitter you can talk to both of us 
at Prestige Podcast. Uh, you can find me at Rob Kaiju. You find me at Life underscore Academic. And we'll see you guys in the new year. Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr.